that interesting thematically in a minute. Today I'm going to share with you a word from the Lord, and I know that preachers often lie to you when they say, I'll only take you for a while, but I'm going to try to do that today, and I appreciate it if uh, you all will make excuses for my accent, because the more I get comfortable, the thicker it gets. And so uh, I appreciate you today uh, more than you would know. Uh, I, have, uh, I was raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I was uh, born into a very, very southern household. My grandmother and grandfather had long past been out of central Arkansas, and they refused to give up their twang, even though St. Louis looked at them kind of strangely. I grew up, unfortunately, for those of you who like the Cubbies, a Cardinal fan. So if you love the Cubs, don't tell me. I want you to think well of me so I can be polite to you throughout my entire stay with you today. Uh, for those of you who are, uh, have your Bibles and you, if you have it, we're going to be uh, dealing with some things today out of the sixth chapter of Luke. You don't have to worry about it because whenever I get to the scripture, which will be a while, will come up on the screen for you. If you are taking notes, God bless you. I promise, I promise that I will try to speak slowly so that you can catch up. I'm just going to go until God says, shut up, sit down, and let's get to communion. So let me tell you what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the foundations of fruit. Now, most preachers, and this old seminary instructor has been guilty of teaching other preachers how to do this, and after a while, I have changed my mind, I don't do it that way anymore, which is you start with the Scripture, then you explain the Scripture, then you tell people what it means and how it applies to their life. I don't do that. What I do is I tell you what I'm going to preach to you about. I'm going to tell you why it's important for you to pay attention to it, so that when I get to the Scripture, it will jump off the page and into your heart quickly. All good preachers, and I hope that at least at some days, sometime, I end up in that particular category, we know that we are not any good until you don't need us. And I can't do that, or any preacher can't do that, if we make you dependent upon us. We're simply the cherry, hopefully, on a fairly decently tasted cake. So, here's what we're going to talk about. I want you to hold up your right hand. Yes, I'm holding up my left, but we're doing this backwards. Turn it over, and I want you to say, you ready? Relationship. Relationship. Keep, your, keep your right hand up. Hold your left hand up. And I want you to say, identity. identity. Put them together. That's when fruit happens, according to the Bible. Let me explain to you what I mean. Nothing begins in the, authenticity, the authentic nature of our faith until or unless we have a personal, intimate, show-enough-real relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me make sure we're clear about that. Christianity does not exist. It is literally impossible for it to exist if it does not begin with an intimate, personal, heart relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And I know I'm right about it. Even in Indiana, somebody ought to say amen to that. Thank you very much. I'll take it. However, as a group of sure enough love and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ Christians, the work of the church, the people of God, is what people see on the outside of this bricked facade. That is our identity. If our relationship is internal, our identity is external. It is how people, not of this faith, but beyond this faith, get to see whether God is real. But, but pastor, God don't need us to make sure he's real. Shut up. Yes, he does. That's the whole point of allowing us to gather in unity in Christ so that when we come together, we are fed by the Spirit and the Word so that when we leave here, we then demonstrate with earnest expectation that God is real. Not just real in our souls, but real in our actions. So that when people see us, interact with us, whether it is intimately standing next to us or it is afar that they've heard or watched in our actions outside of this place, they have to be compelled to say boldly, there must be a God. I don't know about the rest of those Christians, but those folk are real. Not that you're any good, because none of us are any good. But you are connected so personally, intimately, passionately with Jesus Christ that when we work together, we cannot help but compel people to see the reality of God in the identity of our faith. And when we do that, we produce fruit. Now, let me show you what that means. So let's take this first little section of Luke chapter 6, verse 40 through 42. And I'm going to take you through this, and I'm going to point out why what I just shared with you, you can plainly see in Scripture. Number one, it says, a disciple, i got to stop right there, what is disciple a disciple is a student of a master teacher we are disciples of the life and mission and actions and words and demeanor of Jesus Christ it's fair to say that if we call us a Christian if we call this place Christian if we ourselves identify with Jesus Christ then it is that identity, that connectivity, that allows us to be seen as the essence of what Jesus taught. We become his disciples. We become an active identity of the reality of our faith. And it says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained means mature in the faith, will be like his teacher. So let me just make sure I, I say this to you clearly. If you think you know more than Jesus, you don't know Jesus. I can't put it any clearer than that. If you think that you know more than the foundations of this book, you don't know this book. 
If you think that the Reformed Church is better than the Baptist Church, better than the Lutheran Church, better than the Apostolic Church, better than the Pentecostal Church, better than the whatever church, there's going to be healthy, honest, passionate, purposeful Christians in every one of those settings. And whether or not we work together in this house or whether we work together in the collective houses of Christ, should always find unity in our faith being a good disciple and doing that which Jesus has shown us, taught us, or said in his word. You are not above the person you claim to identify with. Well, we have to do church a certain way, Pastor. We only do this a certain way, Pastor. That's what makes us different. No, that's not what makes you different. What makes you different is your identity in your personal relationship with Christ. And what makes you profoundly different, John, is when we defy humanity and actually work together. Oh, my God. Don't you run some big old, you know, milk and cow thing? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that if the folks that you manage and lead stop working together, don't matter how much the cows want to get milked, it falls apart. If we don't work together for the cause of Christ, not because we ought to, but because we get to, then we have failed that person that we claim to be a disciple. Let's go to the next one. I don't need to, I don't, I don't want to read all this to you. I want to read the highlights because I got stuff I want to tell you. Verse 43 says, A good tree does not bear bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. Now, why do I say that? The Christian church in America is in trouble. If you don't know that, you've not been paying attention. I didn't say there weren't lots of good Christian folk in every application of Christianity, any flavor of denomination. You can find good Christian people anywhere. That's not the problem. The problem is... The lack of unity, the lack of commitment to the cause and the demeanor and the messages of Christ can get filtered out quickly because humanity by its very nature are vain little knuckleheads. And I know I'm right about it. Somebody will say amen. Thank you very much. Now, what makes us special, what makes Christ so obvious is that because of our faith, we can come together beyond our human nature to separate from each other. It is one of the biggest evidences that what we say we believe in, we actually do. Without unity, there is no foundational fruit of our faith. Now, what is unity? Unity does not mean we all sing the exact same songs, we all pray the exact same way. It doesn't mean that. What unity means is that we are founded on the principle that God loved us so much that he wouldn't let us stay like we are. If you've been a Christian for 25 years and you go to your high school reunion, and about 90% of the people say, oh, Chad, you're just the same as I remember you. That's the last thing a Christian want to hear. Many years ago, I was doing a revival in the north side of St. Louis at this big old hunking church. And 
one of, the, one of my friends who used to uh, play for me as a musician, he came up uh, at the uh, beginning of the revival, and he, he motioned me down to the front of the stage, and he says, Ed, I'm in town. My gig got canceled. I need to borrow some money from you so I can. That's fine. No problem. I'll take care of you after service. He said, quote, Chad, he said, quote, don't leave me hanging. You don't want me to tell these people what you've been like. So I'm thinking, you know, this is a revival. This is the perfect time to tell people what I've been like. And so I actually invited him up on stage. I said, let me introduce you to a rock and roll Hall of Fame bass player. I tell him what his name is. He's known me since he's been a kid. He got stories. He wants to tell you about how bad I used to be. Go ahead. He didn't have a word to say. I embarrassed him. But this is what I did, Chad. I said, listen, man, I, I understand you've you got all these people looking at you, so let me just tell you all this. I used to be a horrible person. And I hope I don't forget that I used to be a horrible person. And from time to time, I have bad days, and I need to apologize to God and wonder, what the heck were you thinking giving me a collar? Because it is our nature to do the opposite of God. And it is through our faith and resurrected reality of our connection to Jesus Christ that it allows us to throw that away, not forget it, but throw that away and find ourselves in the unity of faith and function. What was the first one? Relationship, and that's inward. Function, what we do on the outside. Relationship, identity. If nobody knows this church, knows of our faith and our practice, this church, any church, has failed to produce fruit. Well, that's possible, Ed. We've got lots of cute kids. Didn't you just see Chad run them down the steps and thanking God they didn't trip and fall into the communion table? Wasn't that cute? Didn't you like that? Of course I like that. But if all this church does is celebrate the cuteness of our children, we got a problem. And the problem is they're not our kids. They're God's creation. They represent what God is able to do. And through us, our kids, hopefully, we won't mess them up more than we got messed up. They will be better off because of our faith and our practice. The same thing goes for the people outside of this church, wherever they may be. It is our personal faith that prompts us to prove our identity. Not because we have to, because we get to. Look at verse 45 up there. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, internal relationship, brings forth good identity. And the evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart, personal, brings forth evil identity. Any church that separates you from the rest of the world is that evil man part. Any church that doesn't welcome people into their church to find the same Jesus that you claim, you are a selfish little knucklehead. Why do you want to keep something that good to yourself? How many of you in here have children? 
How many of you from time to time make sure your children have something that you don't have? Why do you do that? You don't do that out of obligation. You certainly don't do it because they're always good. Because if you think your children are always good, I know you're lying to me. I've had five kids. They're great adults. But I'm not going to lie to you and tell me that they, every day in their life they did exactly what they were told, when they were told, how they were told. They didn't. But they got stuff because I love them. And I love them even when logic says, boy, don't come over here because I'm going to shoot you. That's my southern heritage, I'm sorry. But the reality is our relationship with Christ does the exact same thing. We don't ever hoard our relationship with God. We demonstrate it to others. Let's go to the next one. It says, but who do you call me, Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, comes to me, relationship, does them, identity, will show you whom he is, fruit. There is no such thing as an authentic church that preaches hate. Many years ago, uh, I was uh, at a, a church in Chicago, and uh, one of my students was the pastor of this church. And this was when uh, a recently former president was stirring up a bunch of stuff. Now, this is one of my students. I'm Mr. Inclusive. Give them Jesus. Hug them till they can't breathe too much. That's me. And this is what he said to me. If that man walked in the back of, the, uh, of my church, not God's church, my church, and wanted to join this church, I don't know if I'd let him. I was so ashamed, not of him, but what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong as his teacher, he being my, technically my disciple, that he would think that what he just said had anything to do with Jesus? had anything to do the message of this divine book and i said come here what are you doing you can't sit in this place and say that somebody who wants to come to the lord has to meet your expectations what are you nuts he says what are you talking about we don't like that no 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 your job is to be a friend to all to share the goodness of God, the welcoming of God, the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. And if you don't do that, get your sorry little knucklehead self out of this pulpit because somebody else needs to be up there. I wasn't a very good guest that day. But he needed to hear that. Why? Because if you claim me, you hear me, you own what I say, and you project what I'm asking you to be and become. That's relational identity and the foundations of fruit. It is upon this rock, relationship, identity, inward, outward, that produces fruit that is the rock. Go to the next one. But anyone who hears what I say, 
love each other, care each other, empower each other, move people beyond where they are into where I call them to be. But anyone who hears what I say and doesn't obey me is like someone whose house was built on solid rock or wasn't built on solid rock. The world, culture, humanity, people that are outside looking at us cousin who really knows what you did last week on Saturday night as soon as the river rushed against that house it was smashed into pieces meaning that your relationship and your identity one of those two are not real and whatever you're producing is screaming God is not real so I was at this New church many years ago, and there was this little old lady, she's probably 80 some odd years old. Um, basic, I don't think she graduated eighth grade, sixth grade education. And she's church lady, you know, she had those hats on, big old hat where if you tried to kiss her, you'd get cut, you know. And uh, she sat in the front pew. And so I'm sitting there with eight or nine folk, uh, as not like what we did in, with the elders this morning in the office in the back. And I asked her about. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do you know God is real? I'm telling you, Chad, she's sitting over here, and every single person in that church that was at that meeting kept trying to impress me with their theological uh, expressions. They gave me really great answers. And I said, you mean tell me a sixth grader is going to understand that? And I got to her, and I said, who do you think Jesus is or who God is? And she, I, I think her teeth were not in right, so she around. And she said, I think God is who you see him as and who you see him in others. I should have made her the Christian education director right then. It couldn't be any more perfect than this lady who had a sixth grade education and her teeth were loose. You know, the, the really sad part of Christianity the sad part of Christianity it really isn't that hard if we put all the stuff that's important in this Bible we could put it on 32 pages and the reason why there's so many pages is because God knows that he has to keep telling these stories in lots of different ways because humanity has all these entry points from their intellect to their heart to their experiences to their traumas it takes a lot to get through to us when it's real brother when it's real brother when it's real sister when it's real girl with the green dress on when it's real it cannot be denied it cannot be delayed, it cannot be diluted, and it cannot be ignored. That's what healthy Christianity is when it has a foundation of fruit. Let's, oh, we got it, okay. And so the foundation of fruit is your internal, internal relationship and your outward identity. But how do you get there? Here's how you get there. You really need to look in the mirror. We talk about this a lot, us preacher people. You need to have an honest evaluation of where you are. 
And there's not a soul in here or any church that I've ever preached to or taught that anybody can be honest. You can be honest. Now, whether you will do it or not, two different things. But you can be honest. Where are you in your journey with Christ? Two, are you willing and active in demonstrating the glory of God, meaning the proof that God is real? That's our collective identity. Are you humbly submitting, actively listening, and boldly involved with actionable results of proving who you belong to? And finally, Christianity requires faithful obedience. So let me just say this to all you big bosses here. You're not in charge of anything. All the people out there that are watching online, you're not in charge of anything. God's in charge. Christ is our anchor. The Holy Spirit allows us to do things and say things and believe things that we would not do on our own. You're not that important. Jesus is everything. You want to produce fruit? Jesus is everything. And you can't and won't keep it to yourself. And I know I'm right about it. Somebody ought to say amen. God bless you. God keep you. Can the deacons please come forward?